Hey church, welcome back. It's great to be together again on this morning. Looks like here the snow's gone and uh, we're back to a bit of spring weather, uh, which is great because it means that the surveyor can get on with doing things in our house and checking everything out and moving things forward for the sale of our house. So uh, it does look like things are slowly moving for us here in the UK. But as I keep saying, we can't wait to get over there and be with you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to meet in person soon as well. Hey, at the end of what I'm saying here today, we're talking about this same subject as one. But there's a couple of things that are going to happen. One of them is that I'm going to throw out a challenge. And the challenge will be for two groups of people, those that have never decided to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask for the privilege of praying for you when you say, yes, I want to follow this Jesus, the same Jesus that you do. Uh, and the other group of people are those of you maybe that have wandered away, you've walked away, life has taken you away from being part of the family. And so I'm, oh, I'd love to pray with both of you. But the other, the other thing that's going to happen is that we're going to take communion together. I love the fact that communion can be one of those things that can actually bring us together. Because if we get the focus of communion right, then we come together and we come around and we focus on Jesus, what he's accomplished for us, and also the mission that he gives us to do as well. And so we're going to do that at the end of my preaching and the message that I'm going to bring to you here today. But uh, if you're ready to come around the word of God, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us. And I pray, God, that each of our hearts will, will be ready to receive what you want to say to us. I pray that, that uh, my words will, will be clear, but I pray also that people's minds will be open and hearts will be open to what you want to say to them today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just over nine years ago, we watched completely helpless and, and in grief as we watched one of our young women here in Newcastle slip away from this world into the next world. And uh, that was Thursday morning, 27th of October 2011, when we lost Lizzie. And there were many people round and in her room. And I, was, I, I had the privilege of being there for a while in the room. And Dee actually held, us up, held her hand as she slipped into eternity. And in that room beforehand, we, there was a group of people that had actually not been together for such a long time. And we prayed together and we actually took communion together in that room as well. We prayed that Lizzie would pull through. She didn't. She went to be with Jesus. And family and friends that have grown apart over many years through bitterness and through time. And some had fallen away from their faith. They stood together in prayer. And they broke bread together. And, and at that moment, we were as one in our grief. A few weeks ago, in our own church of circle, friends and family bid a sad farewell to Pat as she slipped into eternity as well. And again, we grieved as one. But also a few weeks ago, we celebrated, we celebrated the, the marriage of Hillary and Jeff as they, as they went through their wedding together. And we celebrated as one, even though many of us celebrated online, we celebrated as one. We were as one in our rejoicing. So how do we as the church do that? How do we celebrate as one, but also mourn as one and often within the same space of time? 
There's one sure thing about this life, isn't there, that we will go through grief, loss and pain. It's been said that no battle survives contact with the enemy. I love the way Mike Tyson put it. Mike Tyson said, every boxer has a game plan till they get punched in the face. We will always hit trouble. Tim Keller said this, no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard we have worked to be healthy, wealthy and comfortable with friends and family and successful in our career, something will inevitably ruin it. See, the problem, I think, is that many of us as Western Christians is that we believe that we, we really shouldn't have to face suffering and pain because Jesus took it all. So that's not the truth. He didn't come to take away our pain, our grief and loss. He came to, to give us strength to get through it. And he came to walk through it with us. He came to give us a hope for the life now and for eternity. We're not just talking about death when we talk about grieving. You see, grieving is a response to loss. Loss of friendships, material things, family, jobs, need and divorce. We, we so often try and avoid pain, don't we? we? We medicate it away legally and illegally. Now, I am, I am for taking medication, but I'm t I'm, I'm, I want us to think about taking medication as a way of opening the door to deal with the issues. And the thing with pain, grief and loss is that it can take us to a place where we reevaluate what's important in our lives. And we've seen that over this last year during COVID. As followers of Christ, we know that he is the essential to our life. But have you thought about it this, this way? God said it's not good for man to be alone. And so as we go through this reevaluation process, as we often grieve the loss of, of, of our freedom, of the fact that we at the moment can't really meet together, as we grieve that loss, we grieve as one. And as one, we also celebrate. Let's go back to that scripture that I started off with, Philippians 1, 27. And 28, and this is, a, I guess, the, the foundation scripture of we, as we head through this series. Whatever happens. See, again, I keep coming back to this. I keep re-emphasizing it. Whatever happens, there isn't a get-out clause. There isn't a, oh, I didn't think about COVID. Oh, okay, maybe that's a good excuse. No, no, whatever happens. You see, Paul, when he wrote this, was in prison. He knew trouble, he knew loss, he knew grief. He knew what it was like to go through hardships. And he said this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. You see, we strive together as one for the faith of the gospel. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, it's so often talked about doing life together or the life together. And that, that really includes our rejoicing and our mourning and everything in between. Paul here is saying that our behavior should reflect the gospel. The gospel 
which is Jesus gave his life to redeem us, to bring us back into relationship with him. Do we live a life that's worthy? Do we conduct ourselves as individuals, but also as the church, church that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus? We stand firm. There is a, there is a strength in standing in one spirit. As one for the faith of the gospel, there is unity. We stand as one. John 17, 20 to 23. Again, this is one of our key scriptures for this. And I'd love for you to take a few of these scriptures and just go away and study them and pray over them for yourselves. Jesus is saying to his disciples, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as I, even as you loved me. I pray that you and I, that you are one as the Father and I are one. And again, I ask us this question to think about why is it that we so underestimate the importance of unity to God? You see, when we are unified as a church, it actually shows the world a couple of things. It says that that it shows that God loves them and it shows that he has sent us to them. He's not telling us to be friends. He's telling us to be one different spheres. God was in the spirit, is in the spiritual sphere. Jesus was in the physical sphere. And he's saying that they are still one. In our behavior, do we reflect who we are? Our identity is that we are in Christ, that we are co-heirs, that we are priests, kings, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are family. So in our grief and in our celebrations, do we celebrate the good news of Jesus? I'm not just talking about you and I as individuals. I'm talking about us as a community, the church, also as the local church, as circle. See, it's not easy. James 3 in the message 17 to 18 says this real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honour. You see, it can be hard work grieving and celebrating as one. Grieving with the loss one moment, yet celebrating new birth or, or, or a marriage in the next moment together. See, the Bible is full of celebration and grieving. When we look at grief, Adam and Eve lost two sons. One was murdered by the other one and the other one was exiled. Naomi lost husbands and sons. Job lost all his children and wealth. David lost his sons. Jesus lost one of his best friends. Mary lost her son. Jesus wept. It says that he was a a man of like passions. He understood emotion like we do. And there are many reasons for pain and grief. You know, I don't know if you thought about it this way, but sometimes, very occasionally, pain can be God's way of getting our attention. 
C.S. Lewis said this, we're not merely imperfect creatures who must be improved. We are rebels who must lay down our, lay down our arms. And rebels do not lay down their arms without a fight. But there's also celebration. The Bible is full of celebration. It talks about celebration, the soldiers celebrating and the kings celebrating when battles were won. Jesus celebrated with guests at a wedding, didn't he? There were celebrations of birth. The shepherds and the wise men celebrated Jesus' birth. There were celebrations of new of people coming and following Jesus. In fact, God instructed the children of Israel as they as they wandered and then as they went into their into the promised land to have at least seven annual feasts. Psalm 118 says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There is a celebration when we come together as the church on the Lord's day. For those of you that may be grieving and maybe even struggling with me talking about celebration, can I say this to you? God knows. And I want to read a few scriptures here to you as well. Not only does he know, but your suffering is precious to him. Psalm 56 verse 8 says this, You number my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? See, suffering is also when God is close. Matthew 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Psalm 34, verse 18, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as a contrite spirit. God is close when we're broken, when we're grieving, when we're suffering our loss. But it also says this in Psalm 30, verse 5, For his anger is for a moment. His favour is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Remember, even though you're grieving, it will end. There will be a time that your grieving will end. So for those of you that are celebrating, also God knows. Zephaniah 3 verse 17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. See, God sees us in our celebration and he is here with us. When we celebrate, he actually rejoices over us. He takes delight in us. That word rejoices with singing actually means it's a phrase that was used to to whirl and dance around. You can almost imagine God going, yes. As we celebrate together, he celebrates and rejoices with us, but he also rejoices over us. How incredible is that picture for us? But we also need to grieve. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4 tells us that there is a time for it, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. We need to take time to do both. Rick Warren, who many of you may know, experienced incredible grief and loss in his own family situation. He simply said, release your grief. Psalm 62, verse 8 says this, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The problem I see is that too many people are pouring their heart out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and not pouring out their heart to God. 
You see, we need to release our grief, but we need to release it in the right direction, church. The Bible never tells us to ignore our grief or suppress it. In fact, it tells us to mourn as one. Romans 12, 9 to 16 says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. What an incredible passage of scripture that is. There's so much wrapped. You could probably preach for for months just on 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 those few verses. But Romans 12 begins by saying that we need to live our lives, a sacrificial life in a way that pleases God. And then in these verses and other verses, it goes on to tell us how we can live our life in a way that pleases God. When you read through it, there's the usual suspects, serve, serve each other, love each other, be generous to each other, be hospitable. Yeah, we get all of that. We know that. Surely we know that. But then it says, mourn with those who mourn. This isn't just how to live as a community. Grieving together pleases God. You see, there is a sacrifice in mourning when we're in a time of celebration. There is a sacrifice of celebrating when we're in a time of mourning because we do this as one. And giving that sacrifice actually pleases God. Let me say that again, because I don't think I don't think all of us caught that. It pleases God when we grieve together. Shortest verse in the Bible, many of you will know, was about Jesus. It says Jesus wept. He didn't grieve and he didn't weep because Lazarus, he, he, he was, you know, he was feeling the loss of Lazarus. No, he grieved and he wept because he saw Mary and Martha's grief. John eleven thirty three. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along her with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. He wept because he was grieving. He entered into his friend's grief. He already knew the outcome. He knew that their joy was going to come in the morning, but he saw the pain of his friends and with them he grieved as one. You see, we can enter each other's grief, sorrow and pain. Galatians 2. And I know I'm sort of throwing a lot of scriptures at you uh, today, but I want you to get this. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Carry carry what each other is carrying. We're connected. We, the Bible so often uses pictures of that interconnection as a body, as a building, as a family. Talk about it. Bearing one another's burdens, is, it's actually entering into the grief. It's crying with each other. It's, been, it's allowing people to talk to you about how they're feeling at that moment. We can't fix it, 
but we can walk the journey with people. There's an old film, Crocodile Dundee, one or two of you might have seen it. And a, a woman is talking to Crocodile Dundee, who's a, is this typical outback Aussie, and, and she's, she's talking about going to, to see a therapist, and Crocodile Dundee just says, don't you have any mates? You know, therapy and, and counselling, I, I, I fully, again, I fully agree with it, and I'm fully for it. But the reality is, we shouldn't be going to a counsellor for what we should be bringing to our friends. We don't take what we need to take to a counsellor to our friends, but we need friends around us to grieve with us. Helen Keller, who, knows, who knew something about suffering and loss herself, says, we bereaved are not alone. We belong to the largest company in all the world, the company of those who have known suffering. So long as you can sweeten another's pain, life is not in vain. So we need to grieve as one. But we also need to celebrate as one. Celebrate the small victories and the victories. Celebrate as one. Don't celebrate alone. You don't need to celebrate alone. Celebration is always done better together. Celebrate our salvation. Celebrate the salvation of others. Celebrate the, the discipleship of others. Celebrate the baptism of others. Celebrate it when people get a job. Celebrate the births, the weddings. Do we get excited and celebrate when we see a response to Jesus? Even if it's just a, a, on the chat at the end and a, you know the little hand goes in the air, do we celebrate at that moment going, yes, another one making a decision to follow Jesus? Celebrate who God is. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In case you didn't get it for the first time, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Just to be clear, let me tell you again, rejoice in the Lord. Celebrations are to be done together as one. I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes, he was talking about a, a similar theme and he said, he said this, some of our problem is that we spend six months grieving the trauma and six minutes celebrating the triumph. I want to ask you, even in this time of pandemic, have you taken time to celebrate? I, I, I've got a journal. It's a really simple journal on my, in my notebook. And the first thing it is, it's not even a, it's not even a Christian or religious uh, journal. It's just things that I'm grateful for today. And I've got, got to write out four things. So have we taken time to celebrate recently? You know, we need to stop moving from trauma to trauma and take time to celebrate the victories. I don't know if you've thought about it this way. There is a difference between living with grief and living in grief. Now, I'm not saying that there is a, there is a, time, a time limit on grief, but we don't have to live our lives in grief. If you think about it like this, in the same way that we visit the gym, we don't live there. It is good for us to go to the gym. It is healthy for us to be there, but we don't live there. In the same way, we don't live in grief. We need to visit grief, but we also need to come away from grief. Take time to grieve and take time to celebrate. We visit both. Celebrate and grieve as one. I'm an England rugby fan. And uh, so with that, I have learned to grieve a lot 
and I've learned to celebrate a bit. At the end of every game, some will be celebrating a win and some will be losing. But a few years ago in the Rugby World Cup, we beat the All Blacks, one of the greatest teams the world has ever seen, and we beat them. And I, I, I saw this right at the end. And I saw one of the, the England players that I've watched go over and hug one of the New Zealand players before he went to celebrate with his team. You see, he entered into the grief of someone else before he entered into his own celebration. When I ask all of us this, can we, can I only celebrate with others and not grieve with them? Or the other way around, can I only grieve with others and not celebrate with them? You see, if we reflect to Jesus, he did both. He celebrated with those that celebrated and he grieved with those that grieved. A few years ago, I, uh, I became so entrenched in my grief of losing one or two people that, that had been friends when they left church, that I was actually missing the celebration of new people coming in. Some who are now leaders in the church that we've left behind and key people in that church as well. See, I was so entrenched in my own grieving and loss that I forgot to celebrate new people coming in. And a real, authentic, unselfish community will share both in pleasure and in pain. You don't need to grieve alone. You can choose to, but you don't need to. In fact, I believe that we diminish the community when we choose to keep our grief to ourselves. Will we allow others to celebrate when we grieve? This last year has been a, a tough time for many people. Some people have faced inconvenience and others have faced real hardships. But one of the things that we've seen the world over is this heightened awareness of racism. And some people have, some people have wondered what all the fuss has been about and couldn't see what was going on. But when I sat and listened to some of my best friends describe being spat at, she was spat at just because she was black. Now you may say or may think that that would never happen here in Saskatoon. But let me ask you, have you sat down with some of our, from our own church circle, have you sat down and listened to the stories of some of our black, indigenous, Asian people of colour? Or have you presumed that because they haven't told you or because they haven't, uh, I guess, thrown their grief and suffering in, our, in your face that it doesn't happen? See, when we see our brothers and sisters making a fuss about what can be just seen as microaggression, we, we don't always understand it till we actually listen to their stories. And, and we begin to understand that, that those little things may be little things, but they are little things that are heaped upon little things that are heaped upon little things. And suddenly those little cuts become gaping wounds. We don't understand the little thing that we may have done or someone else may have done. How could that cause so much pain? But it's years and years of suffering that our brothers and sisters have endured. Have we taken the opportunity to enter into their pain and grieving with them? Now, I don't want to try and lay a guilt trip on people, but we do need to give space for our brothers and sisters to let their pain have a voice. 
Will we, as white people, grieve with our black and ethnic minority brothers and sisters when they experience the loss, and dig the loss of dignity and personhood through racism? We, the church, need to stand up together as one. We grieve together as one. We celebrate as one. And if we believe that racism is a sin, then we stand together for justice for our black, indigenous, Asian people of colour that are our brothers and sisters. I want you to stay with me, if you will, and begin to imagine a community that not only knows how to celebrate together, but also knows how to grieve together. A community that God rejoices over. A community where God enters into our sorrow. A community where no one has to celebrate alone or grieve alone. A community that reflects not only the good news of Jesus, but the heart of Jesus in his joy and in his sorrow. A community where Jesus rejoices and mourns as one. A community where if we have nothing else, we can celebrate our new life in Jesus and his overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. So the Jesus that I'm talking about is reaching out right at this moment to those of you, to those of you that don't know him or to those of you that have walked away from him. And I'd love, as I said, right at the beginning to have the privilege of praying with you. You see, right at this moment, right across our church, those people, are, there are people that are listening to this, watching this, that are praying for you. You need to understand that. They are praying. They may not know you. They may not know your name, but they are praying for those of you that do not know Jesus or have walked away. I'm not offering you happy-go-lucky life. I'm saying that Jesus will enter into your grief, enter into your pain. And will give you the strength and will walk that walk through that with you. He will give you forgiveness from your past life in the present and a hope for your, for your future. Right at this moment, he's saying, come home, come home, come back to me. And as I said, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you. And I'd love for everyone, right, where you are in your living room, you might be in the you might even be in the office at work. I'd love for you just if you can to bow your head and pray because we're going to pray together as one as a church. And if you are saying, yeah, this Jesus that you've talked about, I want to know him. I want to give my life to him. I want forgiveness. I want life. I want joy. Why don't you write at this moment, if you're on the chat, hit the uh, raise my hand button and we'd love to connect with you. Either one of the team will, will get in touch with you or you can email us and on the chat you'll find out how to do that. But I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I thank, the, thank you that you have given me forgiveness of my sin as I enter into new life with you. God, I thank you that you've given me forgiveness from the past, life in the present and a hope for my future. I don't have to do this journey alone. I don't have to celebrate alone, and I don't have to grieve alone. Thank you for this community that I am now part of. In the name of Jesus, amen.
hey guys, if you made that decision again, can I just encourage you to hit the raise my hand button uh, on the chat or get in touch with someone uh, within the life of our community. Maybe even you, a friend has invited you to watch this with them or alongside of them or whatever. Why don't you just say, hey, I made that decision. What do I do next? Because the reality is you've just started on a journey. But I, I want to say another prayer before we go to communion. See, one of the things that we should be consistently praying for is the people in our world. And again, this is something I'd love for us to commit to as a church, to begin to pray, not just the nameless masses out there, but I want you right at this moment to begin to think of that one person or maybe two people, the person at work that's having a tough time, the woman down the road that's, uh, that's going through a divorce, uh, that kid at school that, that is, just doesn't know what to do in this time of COVID. Maybe, maybe those things are the things that you think, people that you're thinking about. Why don't you name them and let's pray together as we pray to the people in our world. Father God, I pray that this week, as we head into our workplace or family or, or schools, God, I pray that you give us opportunity to speak to people. Not just opportunity, but God, I pray that you give us courage and wisdom. Courage to say it and wisdom to know what to say to those people. Maybe even to invite them along to watch next week with us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey guys, in a moment we're, we're going to go to communion, but I'm going to hand back to the team in Saskatoon and uh, we're going to sing a song as we enter into communion. Have a blessed week. See you.